Wrath and anger are hateful things. That's what our first reading told us this morning. And last night, I was feeling quite a bit of wrath and anger towards my printer because it refused to print out my homily when I tried to get it for the 5.30 Mass last night. And I just about wanted to choke that printer and say, print out what you owe to me. But that's not the story I wanted to tell you this morning. No, I wanted to share a story about what happened a couple nights ago when I was actually fishing for some material for this homily from some really good friends of mine. So uh, my friends have five young children, and so I, I decided to ask the kids a couple of questions about this weekend's gospel. And so I asked the oldest boy, how many times, on average, do you have to forgive your brothers every day? And I asked him, I said, so what do you think, like maybe seven times? And he just, he giggled hysterically, he kind of just laughed right in my face, and he told me, no, a lot more than that. So I asked him again, I said, well, then how many times do you have to forgive your brothers on any given day? And at this question, he, he sat back in his chair, and he scratched his head, and he thought for a moment... And then, with the profound wisdom that only a kid could possibly actually come up with ever, he replied, every time. How many times a day do I forgive my brothers? Every time. There's no number, no limit, no conditional statements necessary, just every time. And that is precisely what Jesus is getting at when he answers Peter in our gospel. Not just seven times, Peter, but 77 times. Some translations say 70 times seven. The point being, you must forgive your brother, you must forgive your sister every time. And we have a really hard time with this radical simplicity. We think, how is this possible in a world where so much bad happens? where people are able to hurt one another so viciously, where we are prone to use and manipulate one another so cruelly, able to lie to one another, break each other down, bully each other into submission, treat one another like objects to be used. How can forgiveness possibly happen every time in such a broken world? We may see Christ's teaching as naive and, and maybe even childish, as if he is downplaying how badly people can hurt one another. But perhaps it would be helpful to make one thing very, very clear. Forgiveness is not a blandly passive, oh, don't worry about it. To forgive does not mean that you allow injustices to continue. Rather, to forgive every time means to say every time, actually, what you did was wrong. Really wrong. Every time you did this or that, you hurt me. And it was wrong. Every time. But even so, I freely choose not to hold your actions against you. Why? 
because I have faith that you are more than your imperfection, that you are loved by God. He is your judge, not me. And I have hope in his grace and in his healing in your life that you may become a saint. That sort of forgiveness is made possible only when we come to realize the true depths of our own need, of our own brokenness. Because the reality is this. We all sin and fall short. None of us can claim perfection. None of us is the spotless victim. Only Jesus is. Scripture tells us that the just man falls seven times a day. We begin each and every Mass that we show up to by publicly acknowledging our sins. Brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. We acknowledge our faults so that we can celebrate. Nobody is worth forgiving any more than anybody else. Each one of us is completely at the Lord's mercy. And that's what the merciless servant got terribly wrong in our parable today. He totally forgot that he was at fault, that he had been forgiven. G.K. Chesterton says that we are all in the same boat and we are all seasick. The merciless servant forgot that he was still seasick. So he began demanding what our gospel refers to as a much smaller amount from his fellow servant. He thought that once he was forgiven, that he was now over and against and above everyone else. That he could take the proud moral high ground, exacting harsh, merciless demands on those still in the boat. In reality, when God offers us his free forgiveness, we are given the freedom and the space to rejoice in this central and expansive truth that our God loves all sinners. Do you really believe that? St. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, One will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man one will dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God doesn't wait for us to make ourselves look pretty before he forgives us. He doesn't forgive our nice, easy sins. He forgives our nastiest, most nagging, most habitual, most embarrassing, darkest sins. Trusting this amazing truth gives us the courage to turn with compassion to our fellow sinner and joyfully cry out with the words that we heard in our psalm this morning. The Lord pardons all of your iniquities, heals all your ills, redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with kindness 
and compassion. And what's more, we can trust that, that God is not preoccupied with our sins. Sometimes I think we, we seem to think that all God ever does is point out our mistakes and failings. Why do we think this? Maybe because that's usually what we're doing with each other. We can become so focused on the many faults and failings of our family members, of our coworkers, of our friends, of politicians and personalities on the news, that we end up equating them with their imperfections, which are real, by the way. We're not overlooking them in the sense of saying they're all right, but equating them with their imperfections, making them reduced to their failures. God never does that with anyone. That's because he's not interested in our sin. He's interested in us. And insofar as he is interested in us and completely in love with us, he absolutely means to deal with our sin. He means to put an end to it so that we can have life and life abundant. He means to clean up our mess. He means to forgive us if we will ask him. Why? Because sin always holds us back from being who we were created to be. God wants us to be happy, and sin makes us miserable. Believe it or not, when the Lord looks at you, he does not see a pile of sins, mistakes, and imperfections. He sees a beloved son, a beloved daughter, that he is willing to do anything in order to save. He sees his masterpiece that he intends to fully restore to its proper glory. He sees someone that he would absolutely forgive, not only seven times, but every time that you ask him. That is how Jesus is asking us to look at our neighbor who sins against us with that same divine perspective. And we can do this only by the grace of the Holy Spirit. If you've gone to confession and you listen closely to the, the prayer of absolution, it says, he sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. It's by the Holy Spirit that we can learn to gaze upon our fellow sinner with love and with mercy. We can resist the urge to flatten them into incarnations of whatever their particular sins happen to be. And I'll end with this. In just a few moments, I will stand at this altar, bending over the chalice, and Jesus will say, This is my blood, which has been poured out for you, for many, for all. For what? For the forgiveness of sins. That is the blood that forgives you. That is the blood that forgives me. That is the blood that forgives the neighbor that sins against you. And when you come and receive the Eucharist, that host, that body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord, you are receiving that forgiving love 
that covers over all sins and redeems us. It is the blood that seeks to reconcile and forgive our broken world. That's the blood that you receive into your veins when you receive the Eucharist. And if that's true, if forgiveness himself comes into you, then how can you give anything else but forgiveness? How can you continue, as our first reading says, to hug anger and wrath? How can we receive the Eucharist with one hand and choke our neighbor with the other? How can we withhold mercy from people who are broken like us? You have been united with Jesus in the Eucharist, and by extension, you have been united with the entire body of Christ, saints and sinners alike. And we can be bold in our forgiveness from that place, united in the Lord, walking in the Spirit. We can forgive because we have been forgiven.